0: Barnum is the premier podcast spotlighting people
1: of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness, because we
0: are the culture. Welcome to Proconco, y'all.
1: welcome everybody to the spawn of me podcast i'm your host khalif adams with the DOB. i hope you're all doing very very well hope you're having a wonderful day hope you're having a wonderful week it's been a lot of cool stuff happening in the space it's been a fantastic dope dope week uh word i think there's a lot of things going on there's a lot of stuff in the space that's happening um and we had a fantastic show last week so if you missed that show last week uh please go back and check that out. We had CEO of Main Gear, Wallace Santos, on the show. They talk about how he got into the space and how he's grown within it and how he's kind of made Main Gear into the juggernaut that it is uh, that we see in the, game, in the gaming PC space. So massive love to him for coming through and for rocking. And uh, yeah, it's super, super cool to be able to have dope folks like that on the show. Uh, we have a banger of a show this week. A fantastic episode rocking with... Really cool folks. We have a lot of great conversations to be having. Uh, We have a really fantastic guest in Jason Ronald, who is the director of program management over at Xbox. So I'm super excited to rock with him. And word, lots of cool stuff, not a lot of news this week, but I think, you know, we'll have some, some interesting things coming up in the next couple of weeks in terms of guests and conversations for sure. So let's run into the interview. Let's give Jason some love and uh, let's chat with him in one second. What's good everybody in Berkago? We have a fantastic interview, fantastic guest with us today. Jason Ronald, who is the director of program management over at Xbox is rocking with us here in Berkago. Jason is super excited to have you. It's been awesome to have correspondence and chats with you online. And now we get a chance to chop it up in a real way. Thank you so much for taking the time and rocking with us today
2: really excited to be here and just really loving all the work that you're doing with Spawn on Me and also just seeing you reaching out across the community. As you said, we've had a lot of interactions online, but it's great to finally be able to chat with you.
1: Yeah, I'm hyped to get to the chance to talk to you. First of all, because I have beard envy, and that's the first thing. I'm jealous uh, because mine doesn't grow straight down. Mine grows out like a like a vampire and a wolverine. So I'm excited, and you need to share some, some beard tips with me. But before we get into any of that stuff, um, give the folks at home, because I think a lot of people don't understand what a PM does in this kind of role. You know, I think PMs have a a kind of overarching uh, list of things that they are usually tasked with. But I don't think when it comes to a position like this on the Xbox team that is so vast and so big. Um, give the folks at home a little bit of information about, you know, how you started in the space, you know, where you kind of got your start and then dig into, you know, what is a, a PM in your role and what kind of things you're tasked with?
2: Sure, great question. So a little bit of background on me. Uh, I've been a lifelong gamer ever since I was a kid, you know, growing up with the the NES and the Super Nintendo all the way through modern consoles. So I've always loved gaming. Uh, And my undergraduate degree is actually in digital animation. So I always intended on working in in either games or film as an artist. And while I was in college, I actually realized I was a better engineer than I was an artist. (laughs) And that's one of the things that I love about gaming is that that marrying of art and creativity with engineering and technology and how do you bring those together? So that's why like gaming is just an ideal world for me. And I've been at Xbox for about 15 years now, uh, and I've spent about half of my time in our first party studios working on games for the Xbox console or other platforms. And then I spent about half of my time on the platform, and I think just having that experience really gives me a really well-rounded understanding of what it means to be a game developer, what a game developer is looking from for from the platform. And now as you know, the director of program management for the Xbox platform, we're really defining and driving the vision of where does the Xbox platform go from everything like brand new hardware, such as the Xbox Series X and S, the developer tools that we provide to developers all across the ecosystem. But that also includes things like PC gaming and Cloud, because we really think about how do we make this the best experience possible for players on any device that you choose to play on.
1: First of all, uh, again, thank you for, for you know elaborating that for, I think, for a lot of folks in the audience and a lot of folks in our community, because again, they don't they don't necessarily always know. Um, mm. But again, like you just talked about four different products that you oversee to a certain extent, or at least you're touching, right? It's like and they all have super different use cases and super different ways that they kind of interact with the player. Um, but I really love the fact you talked about <clears throat> as a part of your background and learning of how some of this has worked has been <clears throat> how you've, you know, coupled some of that work alongside developers, which I think is really important. I think a lot of folks at home and a lot of times people who are in our in our ecosystems and stuff like that, they always kind of think of, well, game development is easy. So, you know, it's makes it's easy to make a game, it's easy to kind of do that stuff. Um, But the work that you all have done to kind of align that and give them the best practices and the best ways to, you know, connect with the new velocity architecture and all that kind of stuff is really important. I'd love to hear you elaborate a little bit more about like, what has that process been for all of you to say, like, we're going to not handhold you, but we're going to give you the tools through dev kits and other kind of stuff to say, we're going to give you the space to be able to make these games to the best of your ability on our hardware
2: your point games are the most important thing and you know what's critically important to us is that we partner with the best creators all across the industry whether it's our studios and xbox game studios or leading publishers at various parts of the world or the smallest development teams because there's just so much creativity and there's so much ambition that uh game developers have so as you're designing the platform and especially as you're designing hardware very early on, we really reach out to developers all across the ecosystem and really understand where do they see games going? Where are their creative visions? You know, where do they really want to innovate and push technology or push gameplay designs uh, further than you've ever seen them before? And we take all of that feedback and it really informs how we design and build the platform. Um, You know, that's everything from the design of the silicon to the design of the overall system, like you were mentioning the Xbox Velocity architecture. That's a great example of, you know, one of the things that we heard feedback from developers is you know, they wanted to build these larger, more dynamic, open worlds. And sometimes the technology was kind of creating friction or it was constraining that creative vision. So the challenge on our side is to go build a system that really enables them to deliver on that creative vision and really make the technology kind of blend away into the background. And as we're designing these systems, we're constantly working with developers, we're constantly getting feedback and refining. And, you know, when you think about a console generation as an example, you're really setting the technical foundation for the next seven to ten years of game development. So you really have to have that long term vision and that long term view. And what's critically important is you have those components available from day one. But as you said, as games continue to evolve, as engines continue to evolve, as technology continues to evolve, it's really building on top of that foundation that we established at launch with an eye towards the future
1: i i'm always curious to hear folks who are working behind the scenes because again it's always it's always one of those interesting things again between the con the the conversations and the ideas that we see within the community and then getting to speak to folks who are actually doing the work on the ground every day you know the idea is that things are kind of not moving as quickly as possible. We know, you, you remember the like, you know, a world's fair, we should be in the future driving flying cars kind of stuff. Like we, there was that image of where we should be from a technological standpoint. And then, you know, I, as a 42 year old gamer have gone through the process of seeing everything from Pong to, you know, Gears of War, right? Or, or you know, characters who look exactly like me in in, in that real way. From the stuff that you're seeing and that you're kind of hearing from developers and their kind of scope of like what they want to be able to get out of your hardware, do you feel like technology is moving kind of at the pace that it kind of should be? Or do you feel like we're actually moving faster than what we had expectations for, you know, even in previous generations to what we're seeing now?
2: So on the technology front, I definitely feel like things are moving much faster than even those of us that have worked in the industry for a really long time. It's moving much faster than a lot of uh, what we expected. But I think also it changes over time. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, your early days with Pong or things like that. You think about things like the introduction of Xbox Live and ubiquitous online gaming. You know, you look at, you know, genres change over time. You know, what was hot, say, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, game design changes and in new game types and new game modes are created. So we're constantly really kind of think rethinking how games are built, you know what kind of platforms and services that we can offer and you mentioned you know a lot of people really look at game development and you know think game development uh, is easy i will say game development is one of the most technically complex things you will ever see when you think about you know a visual target game design and gameplay ideas performance you know online services and there's all these disciplines from artists to engineers to to business models that all have to come together into this cohesive user experience that ultimately players love, you know? And that's the thing is, you know, sometimes, you know, the simplest game can be the most enjoyable game. And then there's other times where it's like, you're really pushing the, the boundaries on top end graphics, top end performance. Um, so it's just, it's really the diversity of content that makes this industry uh, so awesome.
1: I love that as a as as a part of the conversation because it is, again, we're always trying to figure out ways to <clears throat> to better in to better inform the the player and to better inform the community of like what's happening versus what's not happening and where should you have good expectations, even though the internet has random expectations all the time. <laughs> um, I think I think the delivery of some of these products and some of these concepts has been really interesting to see from all of you on the Xbox platform. like there are things that, even in the small time between the, the previous gen and this gen that were conceptual that are now part of what we see every day. I remember being in a room at um, GDC and Phil Spencer, walking in and talking about the beginnings of what X cloud was supposed to be. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and now we're seeing X cloud as a fully, you know, pretty much fully functional part of the ecosystem and people using it every day and people going through that process of, of doing that work. Is there is there a moment where, in your job, you get a chance to kind of give yourself a pat on the back, and you know, and you and your team, to be able to say like, here's the thing that we really didn't know was gonna be something, and now it's out in the world, and users are using it, and players are enjoying it, and, and doing that kind of stuff. Do you ever get a chance to kind of sit back and and do that kind of internal audit and say like, wow, this is really cool, the stuff that I get a chance to to touch every day and and help make real for players.
2: You know, in some ways that's actually every day, you know, because, you know, as a lifelong as a lifelong gamer, you know, you're always thinking about how can games be better? You know, like we really think about the player and everything that we do. And it's like, how can I make your gaming experience better? How can I make somebody who maybe has never played this type of game or maybe they're new to gaming? How do we really deliver on that promise? But at the same time, you know, I don't really think you know, we sit back and celebrate as often as at times we should because we're also focused on how much further we can push the art form, you know, and really thinking about that future. And to your point, some some things take multiple years to come together. You know, there's oftentimes where we'll be incubating a technology or a game design idea will be kind of percolating for years, but maybe the technology is not ready or maybe the business is not ready for it. Uh, but then all of a sudden, you know, certain times things converge across the ecosystem and it's like now is the right time to take this next leap. So, you know, it's something that we're constantly evaluating, thinking about gaming of today, but also gaming about the future, and making sure what we're designing and building today is really building towards that future vision.
1: I feel like you should also have a podcast because you just lay up wonderful uh, transitions for me, you make it easy for me to jump into next parts of things that I wanted to talk about. Um, Speaking about kind of moving from the past to the future, I think that there are some interesting spaces there um an interesting tech that you're all kind of enabling and, and putting out into the world um one of the biggest things that's come up in the past you know year since launch and well you know year plus you know thinking about you know time be- between those two generations that has been really interesting to see you all kind of dig into has been smart delivery smart delivery has been mm-hmm. for me a Pretty big uh, game-changing concept for the way that I decide which platform I'm going to buy games on at this point. Um, You know, I I remember hearing you talk to to Major Nelson a little while ago about now they're probably being maybe around 6 million or so. Or, you know, I'm sure that number has changed since when you talked to him back Mm -hmm. in February. But around like, you know, at that time, 6 million smart delivery downloads, uh, you know, where people are having a game from the previous generation and then getting that free upgrade uh, to the newer version of it across the, across the board. I, I, I'm first of all, bravo to you and the team for, for, for making that happen. Cause I think that is a surprise and delight kind of thing for gamers. I think it is actually a thing that changes the way that people buy and changes their purchasing decisions in that respect, but also makes it easier for them to be kind of get into the space. But I'm curious from a like nuts and bolts perspective, you know, how does stuff like that work? It's a weird, it's a thing where it's just like, well, I had this older version of a game, and now it just works when I go to, to, to download it on on my newer console. Is, there, is that stuff that's, I'm sure, again, it's mostly it, or the software and hardware that go along with that kind of stuff. But, like, in the most layman terms that you can, give the folks at home, like, an idea of, like, how that works. Is that also a part of the conversation when you go into talks with a publisher of like making sure mm-hmm. that that stuff works like I'd love for you to give a, a, an idea around how that works in the, in the in the process
2: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, smart delivery is a great example of something that has actually been years in the making. Mm. And when we first started designing the Xbox Series X and the Series S, one of the design principles we had early on is how do we make it as easy as possible for an existing player to move to the next generation? And, you know, what seems very simple on on the surface, there's a lot of complexity behind the scenes. You know, when you think about things like cross progression, um, you know, my game saved just magically moves forward with me. Or, you know, if you think about, there's some players that may be playing on an Xbox One generation console and an Xbox Series X or S, and they actually play on both of those consoles, depending on, you know, they might have them in different rooms in their house. So, you know, we really had to design from the beginning, how do we make this as easy as possible for the player? But there's also the developer side of it. Like you said, you know, we can we can say this is our vision, we want to make this as easy as possible, but if we make it really hard for a developer, then the adoption's going to be more challenging and, you know, we're not really going to be able to deliver on that vision. So, we started talking to developers and publishers about this idea of smart delivery, you know, multiple years before launch. Um, And as somebody who's, you know, we've been in the game space for a really long time. We've been, uh, you know, innovators and things like digital delivery and DLC and whatnot. We have a lot of the infrastructure, but it's really about how you tie that together into a seamless experience. And, you know, you were asking before about kind of celebrating, you know, some of the great work that the team's done. I think smart delivery is one of those areas where I'm just incredibly proud of the work that the team's done because, you know, as a player, I just wanna be able to get my new console, plug it in, be able to download my games or stick a disc in, and then just instantly pick up and play. And one of the design principles behind this was time to fun. How quickly can we get you back gaming as soon as uh, you've chosen to upgrade? But it's also a recognition that not everybody's going to upgrade on day one. Mm. You know, there's some people that might wait, you know, a year or two years or multiple years into a console generation before they choose to upgrade. We want people to have confidence in the Xbox ecosystem that if you choose to, you know, play your games on Game Pass or buy games physically, that your games not only will move forward with you, but they'll also get better as they move forward because you know we invest so much time and energy into these games, and like there's nothing worse than having to like start over from scratch or you know a, a manual process where maybe you lose a game save or or whatnot. So like it's a critical design principle, and it really bleeds into the entire developer and customer experience.
1: Yeah, I mean I I love that you fact you shared that and dug into that part cuz I, you know, you just had an announcement this week about more games getting uh use of the uh, SP, FPS boost technology as well. I think the the number of titles has gone up to 97 now uh in terms of games that are enabled with some version of a frame jump uh, frame boost uh with the technology there. Again, is that like you know, is I I'm asking this with the caveat of saying, or at least with the concept of saying a lot of the conversations around, how do you make a game better from a previous generation to a new generation was always around the kind of older thinking that you'd basically take an old console that you had before, take out the guts, shrink it down, put it in a new console. And then you have a smaller version of that old console in a new console. Right. It's like conversation yeah. around that around backwards, compatibility, all that kind of stuff. Um, is this now kind of more? Is this still like a hybrid of hardware and software with Frame uh, FPS Boost and stuff like that? Is this a thing also where you're having to go back to developers and saying not necessarily rewrite code, but to say you know, is there a way that you can help enable that? I'd love to hear the process about like how FPS Boost works too.
2: Sure. So, I'll just say quickly, backwards compatibility is something that we've been on this journey for close to a decade now. Mm. Um, And to your point, it is a combination of hardware and software, and it takes a lot of planning to make sure that you can really do this well. Because if you think about, you know, the the fundamental silicon architecture of, say, the original Xbox to the Xbox 360, the Xbox One, and now with the Xbox Series X and S, the technology itself has just fundamentally changed, mm. um, and you know when you think about backwards compatibility, one of the things that's critically important to us is that we're always respecting that original creative intent of the original creator. So you know, first we have to be able to get these games to run exactly as they have been in the past, and in many cases a game developer actually might have had higher aspirations of the game, the of the game but maybe the technology was limiting them you know and i think fps boost is a great example of that is you know there's plenty of developers in the original xbox and the xbox 360 generation where it's like they would have loved to have their game running at 60 frames a second but it was just a challenge due to the limitations of the technology and what we do on the backwards compatibility team is we kind of look at all these new next-gen capabilities that the future hardware has, and we're really trying to figure out how do we take the existing catalog of games and make them even better on this next-generation platform. So you look at something like FPS Boost as an example. Um, you know, If a game's running at 30 frames a second, a game basically has about 32 milliseconds to do all its calculations, do all its rendering and whatnot. Well, on this next gen hardware, we can complete those calculations so much faster than we could on the prior generations hardware, but games on console are hyper optimized to the unique capabilities of the platform. So sometimes, you know, just running them faster will generate all kinds of challenges, (laughs) such as like animations running twice as fast or physics running twice as fast and things breaking down and whatnot. So, you know, This is a skill that the team's really developed over the last 10 years of really understanding what engines, what games, what are opportunities to really advance the game with no work by game developers, because that's the other thing too is we want game developers to be focused on their next titles and where they want to bring their titles forward. But it's important to us that you know we continue to preserve these games because you know a great game is a great game. Uh, just because it was released five years ago or seven years ago doesn't mean it's not still a great game. And when you think about some of the most successful franchises, the most successful franchises have existed across multiple generations. So how do we bring those together? You know, and I look at my son as an example. You know, my son, the first Fallout game he ever played was Fallout 4.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, And then all of a sudden, like, he really loved it. He loved the universe. And then he wanted to go back and play Fallout 3. And then he was playing Fallout New Vegas. And the fact that he can do all of those things on a next generation console running better than those games I've ever you've ever seen them before. There's just a real opportunity to preserve our history in this art form that we all know and love, but also make it better than you've ever seen it before.
1: Yeah, I want, I want to dig into that because I think that that is a thing that I think about a lot now. Like I am, again, having been over multiple generations of consoles and multiple generations of games going back to the arcade, um, I think a lot about where we're at in terms of the conversation around preservation. You know, some years ago we had the fam Frank Safadi over on, on the show to talk about games and preservation and all that kind of on that kind of stuff. Do you feel like, you know, in the larger conversation of what that means to not only the Xbox platform, but to the generational, you know, uh, uh, knowledge that we wind up, you know, giving to other folks and leaving to the, uh, the the generations that are coming after us that this work with backwards compatibility in this way on this and probably presumably going forward with whatever Xbox will wind up doing in the future is helping to keep these I, these games alive in this way. You know, is this a thing where, you know, when I think about the lost IP that, you know, that someone was like, mm-hmm. man, I want to get Blitz back on, on you know, at some point, you know, it feels now that with the way that you're all doing this, that there's still potentially a way for both lost IP to find a way back while also kind of keeping games that we've all known and love still alive in, in, in certain ways. How do you feel about kind of the way the platform is helping to enable this this mm-hmm. con- continuing of, of of keeping those games alive
2: I, I think you hit it on the head you know we really think about uh game preservation as kind of core to the dna of the xbox ecosystem mm-hmm. because we do want to preserve these games as they move forward and you know when you think about past console generations or earlier in in the game industry A lot of people didn't think that the game that they were writing today could still be played 20 years later on fundamentally different hardware or maybe with different inputs or whatnot. You know, just recently we released some backwards compatible games on xCloud. I can definitely tell you that when those games were written, nobody was thinking that (laughs) at some point in the time, this game will be streamed from the cloud and it will be available on my mobile device with touch controls. But like we still wanna experience those games. And like, there's just iconic characters and universes that some of the world's best creators have created and it's like, how do we preserve that? You know, and you know, gaming is one of the only industries where, you know, that hasn't been kind of around since the earliest days. And I think it's actually influencing how game game developers are building games for the future. It's definitely influencing the way that we're designing the platform and we're building for the future. You know, we have people on the backwards compatibility team now thinking about how do these games run on future architectures or future opportunities when you think about like uh licenses or how you like you know games are very complex from like motion capture, to music licenses, to different IPs and whatnot. You know, with this idea that these games can last for 10, 20, 30 years, it influences how you design and build games. And and to me, that's one of the most important things about the work that we're doing, is not only bringing the games from the past to the present, but also how do we take what we're building today with an eye towards the future. Um, And it, it really impacts everything about what we do, from hardware design, to platform design, to business, uh, models to licensing. It's just critically important because it is complex to bring any game to market, uh, but it's even more complex to preserve these games moving forward.
1: And I, and I'm and I'm guessing too a thing that just popped into my mind as as a you know proof a, a proof of concept or something is one of the biggest conversations. And I'm happy you talked about you know backwards compat in the cloud, which I think is really important for lots of different things. Is it also and i'm hoping that this will be a thing in the future and you know this is when I, this is when i put you in an interrogation chair and like nod <laughs> one for yes nod <laughs> two for no but it's you know things like you know we've always had these games where we've loved them because they've even even had a, an online you know a com, uh, component to it of like you should be mm-hmm. able to matchmaking, you should be able to play against each other in these games and now those servers are died you know either all those games have been disconnected from the original server servers it makes me hope that there is a space that even with the technology that you're all implementing now, that even potentially maybe that could be a feature of games that we had in mm-hmm. the past that we don't have anymore. That now could be something in the future based on the kind of cloud architecture that you already have. Is that stuff that you're also thinking about now in that in that mm-hmm. space too? Of like how do we how do we revitalize you know other parts of games that weren't that have now died because of you know them now being a little bit older.
2: Absolutely. You know, definitely on the online services that we provide, it's absolutely, you know, foundational, and this is why you can play, say, an Xbox 360 game on the Xbox Series X or S and still connect to Xbox Live and Mm -hmm. still do matchmaking and multiplayer. You know, you think about game saves as an example. You know, it's one of the things that I always love is when I see feedback on social media, somebody's like, I haven't played this game from 2013. I jumped in and instantly my say was there and I was instantly transported back to the last time that I played this game. Wow. You know, if you have put, you know, hundreds of hours into a character or into a game like we want to respect that and we want to honor that. Uh, so it's definitely influencing kind of how we think about our services, how we build our services. You know and even you know when i think about in the lead up to the launch of the xbox series x and series s um you know we actually migrated the entire 360 catalog to our modern store backend to streamline the purchase flow. So it's like, it's this constant thing. So, you know, like the backwards compatibility team does amazing work and I couldn't be more proud of them, but it's really the collective, all of team Xbox, who's really focused on how are we bringing this ecosystem forward? Because it takes all of us to really deliver on that customer promise.
1: That's awesome um yeah and it's nuts to be able to hear those stories too of being like i remember this game i used to play and now i can play it again it's wild like i'm just happy to go back and now play battlefield 4 in higher mm-hmm. higher frames per second like that to me is going to be nuts whenever i go back and do that uh because spawn on me is based off of that uh so mm-hmm. uh so that being a thing um before we let you go i think that there is um a-, a question i wanted to ask about kind of the quality of life stuff that's in the space right now i think that there is a you know, everything has moved really quickly. I think, you know, everyone is pretty happy with what they've gotten in terms of the services and the console, Um, but there's always gonna be, you know, what are the feedback bits that you're getting from the community that you have all started to work on and started to go back on and see if you can, you know, fix and fine tune and some of that stuff. What have been some of the things that you've heard as kind of the major, you know, top of the Trello list stuff uh, that, that you're trying to look at and, and try to knock out and kind of fix for folks that the systems are working the best that they can for them?
2: Yeah, you know, internally, when we think about launch, you know, we don't really view launches like the end if anything we say it's the end of the beginning um and a lot of times when i when i'm kind of talking to the team it's really after launch that's where the hard work really starts where you know we have all these ideas we have all these you know innovations that we want to deliver but it's really the feedback from the community and the feedback from developers that really influences where we go from here so you know From the developer side, we're definitely, you know, there's areas where we can make certain services or certain capabilities more easy for them to take full advantage of what we've really designed and built into the hardware. And there's also things that, you know, developers are always challenging us and pushing, you know, in new ways that we never predicted before. So how do we kind of build on that foundation that we have and really evolve that? And then from a gamer's perspective, you know, like one thing that we were really excited about in the lead up to launch is quicker zoom. you know, this idea of once again, how do I get you back into the game as quickly as possible? You know, and one of the things that we did at launch is we really designed it to be as seamless as possible. So, you know, from a from a gamer's perspective, it just works and you're always right back in there. But we got a lot of feedback of they want, you know, gamers want more understanding of what's actually happening, you know, how, what games are in a quick resume state right now, what games support quicker resume, you know, some management capabilities. So, like, we heard that feedback and, you know, we're actively working on providing some additional affordances to make it more transparent without making it overwhelming on, like, now it's something you have to manage. So, you know, that's something that we're working on. You know, other areas, you know, we know we have areas that we can improve on things like game DVR and broadcasting that that's an area where we've gotten feedback, you know, because we know social sharing is like so foundational to gaming now. So there's areas that we can go improve uh, and things like that. And I think this is also where, when you think about like our insider programs, you know, we really develop this with the community. You know, as we have new ideas, as new features come online, we get them in the hands of the players as quickly as we can. We continue to take that feedback. So, you know, we just really appreciate the engagement from the community and the constant feedback from the community because it makes us better and it ultimately makes the gaming experience better for everybody.
1: Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed, you know, parts of the insider program, too, because of the way that that works. And, and it feels like very like from a very nuts and bolts perspective, the, the, the team is getting the ideas of saying, here are things that we're looking at. We see that there is some 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 pain points here. How do we address that in bigger ways? While also thinking kind of future forward about things that you all are trying to kind of poke at and, and, and make better for all of us at home who are playing so um you know again thank you and the rest of the team for 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 rocking all that out because i think it's super important and and really helpful and thank you so much for for being a part of the show today i i really appreciate you appreciate you taking the time i know you have a busy day i know you're knocking out bugs and making stuff happen uh (laughs) and fixing things on the back end so so again thank you so much for for rocking with me today and, and for coming through
2: And thank you very much for having me. Like I said at the beginning, I really love all the work that you're doing with the community. And please, to everybody who's watching this, please keep the feedback coming. The team absolutely listens to it. And I can't express enough how much that has a direct impact on what we prioritize and what we go after. Because, you know, we're all part of the community ourselves. So we just want to really advance the state of the art of this industry and this art form that we all love.
1: Word, word, word! Awesome, awesome way to end this interview. Again, give Jason some love on the internets. Uh, we'll have that in our show notes, uh, so you can go check out and follow. And again, thank you so much for you and the rest of the Xbox team for for making this happen and, and bringing it all. We hope to have you on again soon, as we can talk about more dope stuff that you're all working on and all that kind of stuff. I need a, I need, I need some cool spawn on me stuff in the store. We gotta make it happen. Anyway, we'll figure it out. Um, everybody at well, home. <laughs> everybody at home uh, we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back after this
0: hey brokago Merrick K here from Fanbyte. did you know that spot on me is a part of the Fanbyte podcast network We produce a ton of other great shows like Channel F, a podcast where we talk about the games we're playing. Can I just say how much I would love for there to be a Hitman game that's just about making people experience embarrassing social faux pas, trying to like prank people and make it seem like they had farted or like tripped on something? (laughs) That would be like very good. Dig up weird finds at thrift stores. So the listing says Bung Doctor V64. (laughs) and take your questions about the best jokers. Lavar's Martin asks, what's the best or coolest weapon ever given to a mech?
2: Gundam Gusion Rebake has a really good... Oh, give, me, sorry. give me that one more time. Gundam Gusion
0: Rebake. Yo, I heard you. <laughs> Gundam <laughs> Gusion. I personally guarantee that listening to Channel F will make you a better, smarter, more powerful version of yourself. So go to fanbuy.com slash podcasts or search for Channel F on your podcast app of choice today. Improvement not guaranteed. Listening to Channel F may cause you
1: Welcome back to the Me Podcast. This is your boy, Khalif Adams. What up? That was a fantastic, dope interview with Jason Ronald over from Xbox. Again, massive love and shout out to him and the rest of the team for not only you know coming through to the show, but sharing all the goodness that is happening within that space. It's always cool to be able to get access to folks who are doing really cool things in the space and making all of our gaming experiences better. It is it is super fun to be able to get hands-on access to 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 folks like that uh who are at the upper echelon of the of the space uh making cool things happen. Um this week only really two news stories that I think are really top of mind that are really kind of super interesting in that way. Uh the first one is about Sony uh and PlayStation investing in Discord. Uh you know I have said a long time ago I said the company that gets the company in their fold is going to have a pretty interesting and decent advantage when it comes to conversations around cross play. Uh, You know, again, it's been a thing that has been the kind of go-to, you know, resource or uh, a thing that you use uh, when you have to play with other folks on different platforms when sometimes the in-game cross play stuff isn't working right. So this has been really interesting to see, you know this be a new tactic that i think it dropped on monday i believe um to no one's you know knowledge it wasn't a thing where people were like whispering behind the scenes of being like well you know we think sony might be the folks who snag discord in some form or fashion especially after the conversation that happened a couple weeks ago around uh there being talks between discord and microsoft and those not necessarily getting across the finish line so it came to a surprise to a lot of people to say like, what? This is a thing? We didn't know this was gonna be a thing. How did we not see this coming? Maybe we should have seen this coming. Um, and there's also been conversations about, you know, what does this mean for, you know, the the overall space in terms of what we're gonna see from Discord and from any company that they get in bed with. Um, so Sony Interactive Entertainment and Discord will connect to the communication services to the PlayStation Network early next year. Um, uh, it says that Sony has taken an ownership stake in discord's latest round of capital raising, according to the conversations before there was an evaluation around at least numbers around like $10 billion were thrown out there, um, somewhere in the ether to say like, this is the kind of numbers that we were talking about that they turned down potentially for Microsoft. Again, no one knows what the actual numbers are yet um, in that way, but SEI president and CEO, Jim Ryan, um, he didn't list specifics of how PlayStation discord would work together, but he says, our goal is to bring discord and PlayStation experiences closer together on console and mobile starting early next year. Uh, Ryan said, allowing friends, groups, and communities to hang out, have fun, communicate more easily while playing games together. Um, it is nuts to see that this is gonna be a thing knowing that Discord has, or at least has claimed, you know, since 2015 and as of December, having more than 140 million monthly active users, which is wild. Um, again, I think this is a feather in the cap of Sony. I think this is the first big move that they've made in the new console generation, which I think is important. Um, they needed to make a move because a lot of the conversations around the console was negative, both from a, um, from a supply demand perspective, from a UI perspective, from a storage perspective, and from a kind of general use perspective, there are still folks that I know who are not super excited at the way that their PlayStation kind of, uh, works in the way that it does. Now, mind you, you know, I've been talking, fairly uh, 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 positively about most of my experience. I think it's been a good experience so far with a lot of weird quirks uh, that I'm hoping to see them kind of maneuver. I think this is a good conversation to start off with because it does also talk to competition, which I think is really necessary. And like, I'm going to be really excited to see what this means for Microsoft in terms of their counterpunch with this. Um, Also, I don't think that this means that Discord is solely just gonna be on um, the Sony platform. I think there may be wiggle room in there. Uh, Let me see if they said, uh, no, well, yeah. I mean, they walked away from a potentially $10 million deal as reported by the Wall Street Journal um, so that they could stay independent. Um, I don't know what this means in terms of if they still have a version where they can still, you know, do other work with other platforms i would think if sony's spending this kind of money they would want it to be exclusive to their platform which only makes sense um but it's going to be really interesting to see not only how they incorporate it but what does this mean for the other versions of discord that are usually out there i use my mobile version of of it very very often i use the pc version of it all the time um, which is still a boon for Xbox because a lot of their Game Pass stuff in this, in just on the Windows platform, they still get a chance to be able to be in the conversation when it comes to Discord, but just maybe not on console, which is still a win um, for them in that in that way anyway. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what what winds up happening. Uh, I, I want there to be more information about this at some point, but we'll see early next year what what happens for. Uh, the conversation there. I think it's going to be pretty cool to see Discord integrated within a console in a real way um, like that. Uh, super cool stuff. I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, on some less exciting and, and, and kind of sad news, um, it feels like the end of an era has finally begun. Um, there was a news story that just popped up on Kotaku. Uh, a little bit earlier today, as of Tuesday, we're recording this a little bit early this week, um, from a live podcast recording on Twitch of the giant bomb cast, uh, Vinnie Caravella, Eric, uh, Alex Navarro and Brad Shoemaker. Some of the foundational members of that show have decided they are going to be leaving the site, um, uh, with Jeff Gersman kind of staying on, um, it's got to kind of hold down the fort um, I'm sad about that for a bunch of different reasons. Um, you know, S- giant bomb has been integral integral. I can't say the word, um, to the podcasting video game space forever. It is one of the first shows that I subscribed to when the crew was just Brad and Vinny and, uh, and Jeff and, and Ryan Davis, you know, the, the, one of the founding members who had passed away. And Giant Bomb forever was the site to go to. It was the place where you would go listen to the gaming news of the day. It was the place where you first saw through the conversations when they all left GameSpot to make Giant Bomb of this model of leaving a big site to go make your own thing. We've seen that most recently happen with Kind of Funny. Um, in that same way with those folks leaving IGN to make kind of funny. Um, and I'll say it's a sad day. Like it, you always know that those times are going to happen. They've had a ridiculous run. I think they've had probably over a 20 year run or something like that. At least it's, at least it's 10, 10 plus years for sure. Like it's it, probably even 15 years plus for sure. Um, because I know we've been doing this for eight and I've been listening to them since way before I even thought about doing a podcast. So um, I'm sad to hear that that's going to be a thing, uh, even though, you know, at some point, everybody has to kind of sunset the major project. In a in a world where gaming podcasts are a plenty and lots of folks are in the space right now, the podcasting space is blown up since the original giant bomb show start started, <clears throat> but uh, you know, they set the standard. And there's no other way to put it. They set the standard for what all of this was supposed to be. You know, most shows that you see that are in a round table discussion format, where people are kind of all together and talking about that stuff started from giant bomb. It's a place to where they kind of set the, set the record straight and set the standard. And I feel happy to say that we are a part of their legacy in some weird way. Spawn of me wouldn't be here without giant Bomb. Spawn of me definitely wouldn't be here without that show. Um, I remember getting a chance to meet Jeff Gersman, uh, for the first time and geeking the fuck out because I love Jeff Gersman. I think Jeff Gersman is one of the smartest, most brilliant people in this industry, his hip hop knowledge is is unsurpassed. Uh, and I love him for that. Um, and, and it, it really brought together a, a very cool part of the history of this industry. There is one thing, you know, I got a chance to meet Vinny and Alex and and Brad at various things, you know, through League of Heels with the wrestling stuff that I used to do uh, with them from time to time. And then being a a super gear nerd uh, with Vinny uh, because of the way he produced the show. Alex, of course, and Brad, you know, last year, even rocked with us for spawn for good and help us reach our, our goals, uh, in a, in a monumental way, which for me as a giant bomb fan was like a bucket list thing that I got a chance to do anything with Alex and Brad, um, knowing just how important they were to my life in this space. I may get choked up. Oh shit. I didn't think about that. Um, <laughs> to my life. Um, and doing this kind of work in a really smart way, you know, like Brad is one of my favorite people on the planet, even though he doesn't know it, um, because he's always come through with good energy and always was smart with everything he did. Alex was always, no, Alex gave me so many chances to write for giant bomb doing a top 10 list. He would reach out to me and give me and give me love and be like, God, do you want to write for, for giant bomb and do this thing And, and getting a chance to get that love from him? meant a lot because I look up to him in a a big way and the the people who have run through that site over the years again like I was the most excited to see Patrick Klepek on that on that site uh doing stuff with them and then you know Austin Walker when he got into the spot that was like a huge thing for me uh being able to see him be there and have those conversations and and last but not least, like the one thing that is the podcasters or the, you know, you're in the video game industry proper thing that you've always wanted to do was to get on one of these marathon uh, E3 giant bomb couch uh, specials or, or, you know, couch uh, episodes. And it was a wild year for me. Uh, when that wind up happening, because I got the, it's like, you feel like you made it to the majors in a weird way, right? Like, you're like, Oh shit. I got called up from the, from the, from the D league. And now I'm going to the majors. It's wild that I got a chance to go on the thing. And it was the weirdest wildest time because I, I ripped my pants. I have my shorts and I ripped my shorts on the way to the show. So I was sitting there. We were ripped open jeans and my thigh meat is all out and my boxes are showing. And I had to sit in the back row because I didn't have, because my pants was all ripped up and messed up. Um, I went to go uh, earlier that day. Um, I had hurt myself. Uh, I was bending over to tie my shoe <laughs> and I poked myself in the eye from a plant uh, and it hurt. And I was tearing and crying for like most of the day. Um and my eye wouldn't stop watering. I think I like scratched my cornea, some crazy shit that happened. And it was, it was nuts. It was wild. Um, but it was the most happy I've been at an E3. It was the most geeked out I've been at an E3. Was sitting on the couch and getting Jeff Gerstmann to, um, say my name out loud. Like you, you don't forget stuff like that. Like that stuff is if you're a fan of Giant Bomb and you know just how nuts and, and monumental and fun. Those episodes are going way back in the day when they got the like secret house, where you would go to the secret house and go and go watch that stuff. And they would do like all night stuff, um, getting a chance to be a, a part of that legacy in any form or fashion as a rookie in the game. And as a person who still feels like they're kind of unknown in the space, um, was monumental. Um, so I have to give. Massive love and kudos to the folks over at Giant Bomb for holding it down for so long. Massive love to everybody at Giant Bomb for inspiring so many generations of podcasters and content creators to be smart and funny and be themselves and to try to figure out their own niche within this space in a real way. Um, So happy trails to everybody who's going away, Vinny, Alex and Brad um, and, and Jeff holding it down for a bit. Um, you have fundamentally changed my life in a, in a big way. And, um, I, I'm, I'm sad to see you go, but happy to have been a part of that legacy in any small way. Um, so massive love to you all. Uh, we have cool stuff coming very, very soon. Um, again, thank you to everybody who's, who's rocked with us this week. Uh, who's listened to the show. Um, please give us a five-star review. Uh, please go give giant bombs some love on, on with, with folks leaving this Friday as their last day um and and please continue to rock with us here on spawn me because we bring you dope stuff every week so much love to you all we'll see you very very soon and until then we're out of here peace